0: start small and start with a minimal viable product. Um, It it doesn't have to be perfect when you launch it. Um, And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Um, Just even if you have to do it manually um, to see if you can get some traction and some interest and an audience, then you're on to something. I, I feel like there's so much talk today about these startups and you've got to raise all this money and you've got to you know hire this team and build out this product um, and I would just say say smart, start really small and just think hyper local to to get it started and then you can grow from there. there's always going to be iteration always.
1: Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of the Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups and seven, eight bigger businesses, as well as CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we focus on helping startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help on yours, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Amy Schick and to give you a, a bit of a background on amy so she uh said that she you know in her words she's a military spouse um you know bit makes it a bit hard when you're moving around all the time to, or with the or with the military to maintain a career but uh, nonetheless uh started a career as a paralegal for an internet company um all ears and then uh they uh, also got into real estate a bit, uh, kind of each place that they moved around, bought a house, kind of use that as a, a source of rental income and an investment. Um, and then started to get a lot of questions on kind of how do you do this? How have you been successful? How have you managed it? And uh, decided to create a bit of a business around that. So did that for a period of time, um, did some mergers, good things, bad things about mergers and talk a little bit about that. And then her uh, sister, I think approached her on about a medical device that she created. So got into medical sales um, for a period of time we had to exit that and uh, and and talk a little bit about what that exit might look like and how that went and then spend some time um, enjoying the family and then uh, after that got into a bit of the the business which which is what she's doing now along with continuing to do rental properties. so with that much as a quick introduction welcome on the podcast Amy.
0: Thank you so much Devin I appreciate having this conversation with you.
1: Absolutely, glad to have you on. So with that, I gave kind of that quick run through of you know, your journey, but let's go back in time a bit, kind of starting out as a as a military spouse, kind of what you were doing and kind of what your journey is, and let's t- chat from there.
0: Uh, yeah, so I left um, a really great job in San Francisco as a corporate paralegal um, mm. when my husband commissioned into the Army. Mm. Um, for the first time, I left California, the state I grew up in, and moved to Georgia, which was quite a culture shock. Um, but then as we we also sold our first house um that we lived in in California and um we realized that the process wasn't as scary as people made it sound to be, right? People mm. would say, oh, buying a house is one of the biggest things you do in your life and it, it was a big deal like the first time, and then we thought, oh, this this really isn't that difficult um to mm. buy and sell properties. So, Um, Once we got to Georgia, we were there temporarily, and then we moved to Washington, and we bought a a house. Mm. Um, Now, in the Army, (laughs) based on my husband's job, we move like we're running from the law. So we spend, on average, two years at each location, which is not a lot of time. Mm. However, we thought, how can we take this lifestyle and uh, create a way to, you know, basically build wealth around it? And so we came up with a plan of buying a home at each duty station. And then when we left, turning it into a rental property Mm. and then hanging on to it. Um, So that's what we did for years. Um, So we have owned homes in Washington, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, California, um, and now again in Washington. So um, it's been an interesting journey, um, but a lot of military families don't purchase, right, because they're here for a limited amount of time, Mm. so then when word got out um, that this is what I was doing, and then I also had a friend that was doing um, basically a a similar um, process, people started asking lots of questions, so we got together and we decided let's write a book, right, and Mm. just like with any idea, right, it's, there's typically a need behind it, Um, And instead of having one-on-one conversations, we thought, well, we could write a book explaining what we do and why we do it and how other people could do it. Mm. So, um, but this is the thing that's so beautiful about like partnering with someone and then also um, just being really flexible in mind is that that idea to create a book um, turned into two books um, and we self-published them online. So they're digital books to keep costs down. Um, but originally we thought if we create this book, then people will know how to buy real estate, but then we thought, but we're only giving them part of the solution. So we thought now we need to tell them how to be a successful landlord. Right. Um, so then that one book turned into two. Um, and then as we were writing the second book, um, we realized, you know, these families are buying homes we're teaching them how to buy homes, we're teaching them how to rent homes, but they're going to be leaving again. And how are they going to successfully rent these homes when they're not available? So that's when the idea for a scout network came about. um, And that was basically to use our community um, of military spouses all over the country um, to be that person that's there and available um, to either take updated photos or to unlock a house, to get appliances Mm. delivered when the house is vacant, um, to do a sight unseen tour for somebody. Um, So then we started thinking of all these ways that military spouses could help other military families. Mm. So that's how we created the Scout Network. So um, which is really cool because we didn't set out to create that. Right. And that's the part about being very flexible in your mind is that when you start to build something, you start to really think about it uh, byproducts of that original build and idea um, start to form and they may not be byproducts that you want to necessarily um, pursue, or I guess, kind of develop, um, you know, at that time, but definitely keep a journal and keep those ideas because you never know when you want to circle back, And where those ideas may be viable products or services that you could offer um, down the road as you build out a business. So I thought that was really cool, you know, that it just kind of happened spontaneous like that for us. Um, And I feel like most um, businesses have byproducts, but you really kind of have to find them and look for them at times. Um, So once we developed the Scout Network, um. I was actually moving from Georgia to Alaska, (laughs) which Mm. is like you couldn't get any further, right, in the United States um so maybe
1: one quick question kind of yeah. on that so you're building the scout network you you know you had the other person that you're kind of working on it with you guys are partners yes. so do you guys do that you know kind of remotely before zoom was cool so to speak because you guys are both i assume during this period of time still moving around with the the military and that yes. so are you guys at the same location you're doing it remotely you're kind of how did you run that when you guys are moving yes. around and trying to do all of that
0: oh absolutely so at the time um lauren who is my friend um obviously former business partner and really business mentor still today. Um, We were both at the same location in Georgia. So Mm. what we were doing is we just created a plan for writing and we would wake up at 5 a.m. and we would call each other to keep each other accountable. Are you up? Right. Mm. And um, and then we would just um, plan out sections that we were going to write on in the book. Um, And she would take sections, I would take sections, and it really depended on our um, experience and our strengths and our weaknesses, um, what we wrote on. Um, Mm. And then we had, and then we got together for several editing sessions. Um, And then we also reached out to other friends to edit the book for us, the books, Mm. actually books for us, um, Mm. which was super helpful. Um, And at this point, we hadn't spent any money, it was just time Um, But since I had a legal background and she had a tech background, she was doing all the tech to self-publish us and to create like a social media um, campaign and then also like a website platform where they could purchase the books. And then I was also doing the legal side, which was forming an LLC and getting our business licenses, um, setting up like an accounting software, things like that. Um, So we definitely were capitalizing on each other's strengths for sure. Um, Once I moved to Alaska, then and she was still in Georgia, then absolutely we and this was back in 2014. So we started working remotely. Um, And most, most of the time, We would just have our morning meeting uh, and we would connect and then we would just kind of share what we were working on or what progress we had. And then we would go our separate ways for the rest of the day and work on our part of the project. And then we would um, come back together or you know shoot each other a text and so it was constant contact but Mm. um, we also tried to be very supportive of each other's time because now we were had a four different four hour difference um, in time zone Um, Mm. so that created a little bit of a challenge but um, really not too much we just kind of both worked on things when we could Um, and really set up times to deliver products uh, to each other, projects to each other. Mm. Um, And it worked out really well. Um, You know, in the beginning, there's not a lot of traction, right? And whenever you create a new service, um, there will be people who say they love it. And then there'll be people who downright hate it and bash it. And, (laughs) you know, like, You know, and and, uh, come to you with different perspectives on uh, and opinions on their product. And especially with social media, people really feel free to share what they really feel about your product. So we really listened to that and we really listened to what people loved about it and we listened to what people didn't like about it. And we Mm. didn't um, pivot just because people had negative things to say we knew that we weren't going to please everyone and that, um, there were going to be some people that just didn't care for our service. So um, now,
1: now maybe just diving in just a bit. So you did yeah. that, you know, so you figured that out, you did that for, you know, a period of time. And then I think that you guys, um, looked, you, you were approached by another company and looking at doing a merger and kind of getting together with the founders. Was that kind of the, the next step or the next phase of the business?
0: Yeah, so Lauren um, got into contact with another um, another company that was young and new, mm-hmm. um, and it was ran by two veterans. And but what they did is they had a like a realtor referral service, and they referred military families to realtors who were veterans, military spouses, um, so that they would understand the lifestyle. Um, And understand what military families needed when they were moving. Um, So Lauren started that um, conversation and that relationship with them. Um, And then as we, you know, just talked more and more about what they were offering and what we were offering, um, that's when they approached us with acquiring our business, which is super difficult when you don't have... um, you, you don't have a lot of assets, you don't have a lot of income, and basically you're trying to negotiate what is a fair price for your business without like hard numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what I learned in the process. Nobody has the formula for it, right? So it is, if they say they have a formula, I would be very leery because unless you have those data metrics in revenue or traction, they're basically buying your potential. Mm-hmm. And also what they really want is they want the people, the team that founded your business. So they really saw what Lauren and I built, they liked what we built, and they really also wanted us on their team. So it, it's it's a little bit of both, right? Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they want the ingenuity, they want the, the work ethic, um, they, they do want the audience that they, you've built. They do want your products and services. Um, but they, but they really do look at, um, you know, having those founders on their team as well. So,
1: so, so now, so now you guys merged together and, you know, with all that as an understanding, you got into the relationship and kind of, yeah. you know, how did that go? Was it a good relationship, bad relationship? Did you last around or you kind of, you know, what did that, what look like as it turned out?
0: Yeah, so I would definitely recommend, um, based on my experience, and I'll get into that a little bit more, um, forming a partnership with someone that you don't know well um, is something that should not be taken lightly. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's something that you really need to get to know those people before you like you know, lack of a better term, jump in bed with them. Because a a business partnership is a very intimate relationship. You're going to disagree. You're going to have flat out arguments over things. Um, There's going to be, uh, so you really want to sit down and get to know those people, get to know what their vision is for the business, what your vision is for the business. And then you want to really create a, a partnership agreement I highly highly recommend that because that's going to create parameters um when the unknowns pop up right
1: so now now taking that and I think that's great advice now taking yeah. kind of to your your own journey how did that yeah. work with your merger and your so partnership we, we
0: didn't really do that right mm. and this is where like the lessons learned um you know I had certain expectations that you know um I would have a certain place as a founding team member within that business and that I would be making executive decisions and I would really be, um, I guess, shaping the development of the business as a whole. But Mm. once we got into it, you know, I kind of got funneled into develop, you know, continuing to develop the Scout Network, which was great. That was my baby, but I felt like I was just kind of pushed off to the side as far as major business decisions go and i i really didn't like the fact that like i did not feel involved in major business decisions as far as you know investment money as far mm-hmm. as the direction we were going as a business the things we were focusing on and once you kind of get pigeonholed it's really hard to then I guess kind of reestablish that role is like, okay, I really want to be a part of these bigger conversations. So Mm. that was a mistake that I made um, that I would highly recommend that um, if you are thinking about partnering, just, you know, really get to know that person really get to know what your relationship is going to look like and put that in writing, um, you know, before you enter that relationship. Mm. So I mean, it so was now, fine at the time, but looking back, of course, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty.
1: So now, it's, so it's kind of just continuing on your journey, just so we can, uh, you know, make sure to, to sure. give you the, it give its full due. So you, yeah. did, you know, you get, did the merger. You learned the lessons. It didn't necessarily work out exactly how you'd want. So you said, okay, after sticking around for a period of time, decided to move on. And I think that's when you kind of got in or got in partnership or worked with your sister for a period of time on some medical devices. Is that right? Yes.
0: So what happened was. Um, I was continuing to work on it and, and build the scout network, which I, I mean, I really did enjoy doing, and it was, you know, my baby. Um, and then it was my sister approached me, um, and so she had developed a product. Um, so she was a surgical tech in labor and delivery, um, and she you know, of course, when you are in a certain work environment, you see how things are supposed to work. And then you also see how things could work better. So what was happening was there was an increase in babies being dropped or falling out of mom's arms when, when moms were breastfeeding them and then like falling asleep, um, in the hospital. Um, and so, she thought this is a huge problem and people don't seem to be addressing this and they don't seem to be sounding alarms um, as to this problem, right? It's a huge risk um, Mm -hmm. for moms um, and for babies. So she set out to develop um, a wrap that wrapped around mom. So imagine a tube top that zips on the side um, and then baby would securely um, lay skin to skin, on mom's chest um, uh, during that time. So if mom was kind of propped up in the bed, she could have baby um, on her chest secured by this wrap. And then if mom needed to stand up and walk around, there was an additional sling that came up and over your shoulder. And then that would give added support if you were walking around with baby. And that would optimize the amount of time that moms and babies were skin to skin, which is what's recommended which I thought the product was brilliant and it is a brilliant product. Um, The lesson that I learned in this particular (laughs) situation, which obviously you can tell I've learned a lot of lessons through like failure or just not knowing um, was that I thought the product would be a perfect product to sell um, as an e-commerce product directly to consumers, directly to moms. Mm-hmm. Or to other people to gift for moms, where my sister felt that no, this is a product that should be supplied to moms from the hospitals. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like a, a, you know, and this is just being naive um, and you know, kind of jumping before doing enough due diligence. Was she knew the product, she knew the problem, and the problem set and how to solve the problem, which was brilliant but the part that she didn't have experience with is how do you sell a product to hospitals? So trying to figure out how to sell a product to a hospital turned into a massive amount of work that we just were not prepared for. And also frankly, didn't have the money for. Mm. Um, And so it's you know, I ultimately left because our, you know, I guess kind of, ideas as to how to best market and sell this product, Um, we started to drift apart in those ideas um, more and more um, to the point where it it was a conflict. You know, there wasn't a lot of traction. Um, Then we were trying to pivot to ambulances and sell the product to ambulances for safe transport. Um,
1: So maybe, so, and maybe to summarize that, so that, you know, differences of opinion, kind of the ways that you would necessarily approach it or, or how you'd market the business. And so ended up, you know, I think when we chatted before, ended up walking away or just deciding that, you know, that it, yeah. that, that wasn't going, the relationship when, or with the business and everything wasn't the best avenue to take the business. So kind of walked away. And then I think you said, you, you know, you continued to be in the military and move. So now bringing us up to kind of where the, business where you're at today, tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and kind of how you landed on that.
0: Yes. So um, we've continued to invest in real estate along the way. So um, we actually have identified um, a property that we're going to buy for a rental um, here in Washington. So we try to maximize our time. So I've continued to do that. And then just I've been continuing to explore other um, like business concepts that I would love to build out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then how can I build those out? And again, build them out in a bootstrapped way where I can use online resources <clears throat> to create a minimal viable product to, to test it out. So w- what I look for in, in a business is what problem can I solve? So while I'm still continuing to do real estate and acquire properties and you know turn those into... Um, rentals because that's something that I know it's something Mm -hmm. that I feel like is can kind of be on autopilot if that makes sense um while I work on other business concepts um to build out and explore how can I build these out and how can I test them in the market um so I again I go back to what problems can I solve and I look at what problems am I facing Mm. so one of the problems that um that I guess my family faced was um, two years ago, my daughter was applying for colleges. And as a military brat, when you've moved around and you've gone to 10 schools um, in your 12 year process um, and then you've had three high schools, it's really hard to maintain those GPAs and um, really show these colleges how you shine as an individual when you don't have the data metrics of grades and SAT or ACT scores. Um, So what I'm working on now is building out a platform through a no code service um, to create an online portfolio for students to really show what they have done, the challenges that they've overcome, the character that they've developed, the grit that they've developed through an online portfolio um, that could be, you know, quickly and easily viewed, um, and they could add photos and video and include their story of why they should be at that college and why they can be successful at that college. Um, because it's, it's, it's not just uh, students that, um, you know, have 4.0s and have, you know, uh, 34s on ACT scores and have done all these great sports and have had all these great things. You know, grit and determination are built in other ways. There are students who, um, you know, have had to help raise their siblings and have had to work part-time to Mm -hmm. help pay for bills um so and maybe just uh,
1: kind of can, kind of with that so that brings yeah. us up to where we're at today and kind of what you guys are working on yeah um you know and there's always more things to chat on than we're ever going to have time to yeah. chat but I always want to save room for the last couple of questions I ask you at, yes. at the end of each podcast so maybe we'll jump to those now and just talk with those for a minute sure. so as we as along your journey as you went through your journey what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it
0: Um, I think the worst business decision I ever made was to, um, uh, go into business with family. Um, and the reason why is because those family relationships are really important. And when things like business and equity and money, um, are on the line, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just not worth ruining a family relationship over business. So I would say that that is the worst business decision I have and pe- there are many people that are successful at it. <laughs> um going into business with family and um you know generational um businesses and that's fabulous, but I just think that um there's a difference between parents um bringing children up in a business versus siblings um joining together to start a business. So Yeah, and I, would and I think, think that
1: I'm- there's you know there's some uh, some truth to that in the sense that you know, there's a different dynamic between having a good relationship with family or doing that versus on the business side. And when you put those together, it can certainly add that additional layer of stress and additional, you know, complexity to the relationship. Some people it works well together, others, it just is, you know, it, it strains the relationship too much. So, yes, yes. Now, so now as we jump on to the second question, which mm-hmm. is if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them?
0: I think the one piece I would advise that I would give them is start small and start with a minimal viable product Um, it it doesn't have to be perfect when you launch it Um, and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money Um, just even if you have to do it manually um, to see if you can get some traction and some interest and an audience. Then you're on to something. I, I feel like there's so much talk today about these startups, and you've got to raise all this money and you've got to, you know, hire this team and build out this product. Um, and I would just say, say smart start really small and just think hyper-local to, to get it started. And then mm-hmm. you can grow from there. There's always going to be iteration, always.
1: No, and I, I like that. And I think that you know, there's certainly a lot of wisdom figure out a way to get started, get it going, whether or not it's, you have a lot of money, bootstrap it, whatever. I think the biggest thing is to take that step and get it started. Yes. Well, ask people and just give people heads up. We are going to do the the bonus question and talk a little mm-hmm. bit about intellectual property after the main episode. So if you want to stay tuned and you can hear that is a little bit of discussion. But otherwise, if you're getting getting ready to tune out before they do, if people want to um, find out more about kind of your businesses, what you have going on, connect up to you. They want to be an employee. They want to be a they want to be an investor. They want to be an the customer. They want to be your next best friend any or all of the above what's the best way to connect up or find out more
0: um that would be just to find me on LinkedIn Amy Schick, um at LinkedIn um, or just email me I am I am I'm all about the um, just email connection I, I that's the other thing I've learned just reach out to people so I totally welcome um, people reaching out to me just on my email and that's amyshick at gmail.com it's the best email to reach me at
1: well, awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, find out more and uh, utilize the, the knowledge that you've gained on a lot of different areas. Well, as we wrap up, um, wanted, first of all, and we'll, we'll get to the bonus question, but thank you for coming on the podcast and for all those listeners. Um, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Um, apply to be on the show. Also, uh, if you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you get notifications as all our awesome episodes come out, as well as uh, leave us a review so new people can find us. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, just go to strategymeeting.com and sign up to be a guest on the podcast, or sorry, not, or sign up to be a, a or to chat for a bit on your patents and trademarks. So, with that, now that as we've wrapped up the, the normal portion of the episode, we'll dive right back into the bonus question, which is for you to you know what would be and, and you get to turn the tables a little bit in the sense I'm usually the one that asks questions, but now you get asked me a question, which is what is your top intellectual property question?
0: So my top intellectual property question has to do with timing um, and how aggressive you should be in your IP portfolio. So. I know that's a big question and it's a lot to unpack. Um, So my question is, you know, there's a lot that pertains to your IP, right? Domain names, trademarks, um, you know, patents. Mm. So copyrights. So my question is, is when you're beginning and you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of resources, what is the most important intellectual property to protect by trademark or patent? And then at what time in the business journey Hmm. Do you pursue that?
1: yeah so there's a few things to unpack i'll give you kind of a, a the shorter or shorter form answer to it um you know really when i look or whenever you're looking at intellectual property i, w- I would first say what is the the core of the value of your business meaning is it your brand and are you building a business it's really a great brand meaning you didn't create a w- great widget it's not a product but it's a great brand and a lot of companies do that you think of pepsi coke m&m starbucks apple all of those have great brands and that's where a lot of their value is vice versa. Are you, you know, so are you creating a brand? Are you creating a, a new widget or a new product or a new invention? And that's where the value of your product is because it's really going to flavor where you focus a lot of your, and sometimes it's all any or all of the above, right? Sometimes if you're an Apple, you create great products. You also create a great brand. So you may have both of those aspects, but when you're kind of trying to decide what is the, where do I focus intellectual property if I need it? Think about where the value of the business is and maybe if it's, you know, creating great inventions, then you focus more on patents. If it's creating a great, great brand and a great reputation, you may focus more on trademarks. If you're creating a book or you're creating something that's more in creative nature, a book, you know, a movie, a TV show or a sculpture or painting, then it's going to be in copyright. So I'd say the first thing you do is to figure out where the value of your business is and what you'd want to protect. And then kind of with that in mind, you're going to then go to, okay, what do I want to protect and how quickly do I need to protect it? So on a patent, you know, simple answer is, is the maximum. Once you start putting it out in the public, you have a year within which you can file a patent on it. Meaning once it's out in the public, if you don't file within a year, you're basically donating to the public. You're no longer able to pursue. You missed your window. On a uh-huh. trademark, okay. that's a bit more of a an open or an open ended question in the sense that trademarks you don't have a specific window. But what you don't want to do is if your if your intention is to build build a big brand, you don't want somebody else to come along, get that trademark, or start using that name and register it before you do. Such that as you're building that, you're not you're, you're going to. Um, if somebody else gets a trademark first, it's going to hurt your business. So both of them are generally, the general question is, figure out where the value of their business is. Earlier on is a better, and then probably beyond that for a specific business, you're better to even go talk with an attorney. We offer strategy meetings. You can tell by the podcast, go to strategymeeting.com. But whether it's us or somebody else, you're really better at that point to now go down sit with an attorney, strategize more specifically with your businesses to exactly what that timing might look like. So with that is the answer to your top question, we're gonna wrap up the podcast there. It's been fun to have you on the the podcast, Amy. It's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, Devin. I appreciate it.